Chapter 11 of Life of St. Gerard Magella. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Life of St. Gerard Magella by Rev. O. R. Vassal Phillips. Chapter 11 His Great Trial. Have the charity to pray much for me. I stand in great need of prayers. Thus wrote St. Gerard, in the spring of 1754, to a priest with whom he was on terms of intimacy. The next day he was to leave Iloceto for Nocera, the residence of St. Alphonsus. A most cruel accusation had just been made against his good name, and the holy founder had summoned him into his own presence to meet it as best he could. It would seem that St. Alphonsus never gave full credence to this odious calumny, but as yet, he knew but little of Gerard, and the evidence against him appeared to be overwhelmingly strong. When the poor brother arrived at Nocera, he was at once acquainted with the nature of the charge that had been brought against his character. He listened to all without a word, though, of course, he would have been perfectly free to justify himself had he so pleased. The rule which forbids a redemptorist to defend himself when reproved was never intended to apply to such circumstances as these. But the servant of God thought of his vow, always to do that which is most perfect, and determined, in honor of the silence of our blessed Lord under false accusation, not to say one word in answer to the abominable calumny with which he was assailed. However, his failure to meet or even deny the charge seemed like a tacit acknowledgment of guilt. St. Alphonsus was not slow to express his sorrow and indignation. He deprived Gerard of Holy Communion, and forbade him in the strictest manner possible to have any dealings whatsoever with the outside world. The humble brother bowed his head in meek submission. He accepted all as his due, and never spoke a syllable in self-justification. On the affair becoming public property, as was soon enough the case, Several of the fathers of the community, who were well acquainted with Gerard's virtue, begged him to clear himself. There is a God in heaven, was his answer. He will provide. Would you then deprive me of the opportunity of suffering something for his sake? It is he who wills that I should endure this humiliation. Ought I not to accomplish his good pleasure? Let God do that which is pleasing to him. For my part, I desire nothing, save that which he desires. During this season of terrible trial, St. Gerard redoubled his austerities in order to obtain in more and more abundant measure the help from God of which he stood in such sore need. His most fervent prayers were those offered for his calumniators. No word of complaint was ever allowed to cross his lips. Not for one moment did he lose his inward serenity of spirit. Forbidden to approach Holy Communion, which had hitherto been the one great joy and support of his life, he used to say gently to those who compassionated him, It is enough for me to have Jesus Christ in my heart. The Lord wishes to punish the coldness of my love. He flies away from me, but I possess him within my soul by his grace. Never will I lose him there. 
on being urged to ask permission from St. Alphonsus to go once more to Holy Communion. He hesitated for a moment, but only for a moment. No, he said, I must needs die in the winepress of the will of my God. Another time he said to a priest who begged him to serve his Mass, Leave me alone and tempt me not. Did I serve your Mass, I should snatch him out of your hands as you stand at the altar. No other trial that could have been devised would have been comparable to this trial, the loss of Holy Communion. It was as though the sun had suddenly gone down in the heavens, ceasing to shine upon his earthly life. Still, there were great consolations. God tempers the wind for the shorn lamb. Kind friends who trusted him throughout with a true-hearted and loyal trust, which was proof against the most untoward appearances, wrote him letters of affectionate sympathy and encouragement that he could not fail to value highly. But the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, was himself his servant's supreme consoler in this his hour of dire distress. During the years of his triumphs, when ecstasies and miracles were habitual with him, when he was held in the universal esteem of his fellow men, and regarded by all who knew him as a marvelous saint, he was being purified the while in the crucible of terrible interior sufferings. Men called him the spoiled favorite of heaven, and he all the time, though they knew it not, was a prey to mysterious trials, known in all their intensity only to the greatest of God's chosen servants. The fear lest, in punishment of that which his tender conscience deemed his infidelities to grace, he should be cast away from the presence of the divine majesty for all eternity, haunted him by night and gave him no peace by day. A darkness that could be felt enveloped his soul. Would it truly ever be his to see the beautiful face of Jesus Christ? Would it ever be his to stand with prophets and with martyrs, with the forerunner of the Messiah, with virgins and with confessors, with the apostles of the Lamb, with the great foster father of our Lord and the immaculate mother of God herself, in the ranks of the redeemed round about the throne of the eternal? Dared he raise his hopes to such height as this? And then there came from Satan a dark temptation, the full anguish of which can only be realized by those who love God with the love of the saints, the temptation to despair. Never for one moment did he yield, though the onslaughts of the enemy seemed to rend his very heart in twain. As the gold is tried in the fire, so is the acceptable man in the furnace of tribulations. But now that he was in deep disgrace, even with St. Alphonsus his father, now that many looked upon him askance, as upon a hypocrite who had been found out, now was the time of divine compensations. Light and grace flooded his soul with heavenly joy. God seemed once more to speak face to face with his faithful son. The sensible consolations of his childhood were once more renewed, in a different form, indeed, but, nonetheless, truly were they his again. He seemed almost to enjoy the unveiled vision of his God. Deprived, as we know, through no fault of his own, of the true bread of life that God in his wondrous love bestows on the wayfarer, lest journeying painfully through the weary desert of human miseries, 
he faint beneath the burden of heats of the day. Deprived of the blessed Eucharist, Gerard feasted by faith with the saints above on the divine essence itself, to which he was united more and more closely each hour that passed, drawn ever upwards, even to the heights of sublimest contemplation. He was asked one day how he could live without communion. He replied immediately, I recreate myself in the immensity of my God. Thus did he himself experience the truth of the maxim which we find in one of his letters. Only suffer for God, and your very sufferings will bring you heaven on earth. So true it is, that they alone are happy with a perfect happiness, who do the will of God with a perfect freedom and perfect service, even as it is done before his throne on high. After a time, as Gerard still made no sign, St. Alphonsus sent him to Ciarani in order to give him a complete freedom of conscience, in case he might wish to go to confession to a stranger. We thus perceive that he still rested under grave suspicion, and that in one quarter where he must have felt suspicion the most keenly. A fortnight was spent by St. Gerard in Ciarani. He was then again removed to another house and allowed to go to Holy Communion once a week. But the clouds were soon to break. The wretched columnators of his innocence were at length touched with remorse. They wrote to acknowledge that their statements had all been a tissue of lies composed at the instigation of the enemy of mankind. St. Alphonsus was overwhelmed with joy. He immediately recalled Gerard to Nocera, and declared that the virtues which he had practiced during his time of trial were in themselves enough to prove him to be a great saint. The Holy Founder once asked St. Gerard why he had not said so much as one word to prove his innocence. Father, answered Gerard, does not the rule forbid us to excuse ourselves? St. Alphonsus was touched to the heart. Well, well, he replied, may God bless you, my son. On another occasion, he said to Gerard, You must have been grievously disturbed in your mind at not being able to receive Holy Communion. No, indeed, Father, was the reply worthy of a saint. Since Jesus Christ did not wish to come to me, how could I be discontented? End of chapter 11